you're exactly where you need to be. And you're listening to ADD Comedy with me, Dave Rosaski. Uh, today's guest is Ithamar Enriquez. Mm. Ithamar is an alumni of the Second City. He's a teacher of improv. He's an actor who's been on Listen to This, Arrested Development, Key and Peel, The Office, How I Met Your Mother, and the hilarious <laughs> Law and Order LA. <laughs> I've never seen it, but I assume it's funny because Ithamar's on it. He's also been on Jimmy Kimmel Live. He's got a one-man show called Ithamar Has Nothing to Say. It's at the Second City Hollywood. It's called that because, well, Ithamar has nothing to say, and he doesn't say anything at all during the show. It's awesome. It's got to be. It's Ithamar. Ithamar's funny, adorable, grounded. Oh, this is a good one. Give it a listen. My therapist, I went there the other day because uh, I go on, you know, I go on a certain day. I go on Thursdays at 11. Mm-hmm. I used to go on Fridays at 9, which is great because you get your therapy out. And I would also do my laundry at the, the laundromat right in the 7-Eleven. Yep. Yeah, right over there. In the radio so, shack. Yeah, in the radio shack. Yeah, yeah. Um, do my laundry in the radio shack. <laughs> and uh, so I would drop off my laundry at 8.30. Uh, it would go through the wash cycle. I would get my head washed. By my therapist, and I'd come back, and I would my clothes would be dry, uh, my clothes would be done. But I went there the other day, last week, and um, uh, turning this off uh, and stop. I went there last week, and um, his car wasn't there. And then I went to open the door to his office. He's across the street from what used to be that cafe, uh, and now it's an empty table. space. Yeah, yeah. What a drag. He's right across the street, and there's a little building. It's nondescript. Uh, and you, I opened the door and it, the handle was, it was locked. And I'm like, where is he? And I left him a message and I thought, I bet he died. Oh no. I bet he died. I bet he died. And I didn't hear from him for two days. And then he calls me back and goes, I'm so sorry. I was sick. And I didn't get back to him. I'm thinking, my go-to was he died. Right. What a fucked up go-to. Uh, right. Um, but he, Did you guys talk about that on your next session? <laughs> I didn't hear from you what? for two days. I assumed you were dead. I know. That's what <laughs> Look what you did. I assumed you were dead, and that's the thanks I get. I've been coming in for, to him for a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, But he's one of these people that you look at, like James Gandolfini, mm-hmm. where you look at him and you go, mm, you're sweating too much. Yeah. You know? I saw Gandolfini, we saw him like maybe a week or so before he died at the Arclight. Uh-huh. And I was actually, what was kind of scary was seeing him that close and thinking, oh, he actually doesn't look as big in person as he does on screen. Mm-hmm. I even thought, oh, has he been losing weight or whatever? And then the, like literally the following week he, he died. And I was like, wow. You're not a good doctor. I know. Well, that's why I do what I do. Right. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I do what I do yeah I, I, the, the idea of health and the idea of your the body being just this time bomb that you can go at any fucking time I know it's scary and as much as you try to go ah you know what I go to the gym and I eat well and all that stuff you have no idea what's gonna happen no and there's people who s- smoke and drink every day of their lives and live to their 90s yeah did you ever yeah. smoke? I smoked for 29 years. Wow. 29 years. Wow. My girlfriend's 31. So 
I, just, I don't know why I want to tell you that, yeah. but I thought I'd tell you that. No, right. it puts it in perspective. It puts yeah. you know, it's a how human long being. you smoked into perspective. I smoked a whole, like a human being and a, a, into from their birth to their adulthood, <laughs> right. and that's how much I smoked. Right, right. And I smoked a pack and a half a day. But wow. you probably don't know many. I don't know. For me growing up, I knew a lot more smokers than probably people growing up now. And during my first ETC show, I was the, and this is when they were still letting people smoke in the building. In Chicago, when uh-huh. they, that, you know how that back alley leading up to the backstage of the ETC where all the restrooms were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For that first ETC show, every single person smoked. Cast director, musical director, tech, everyone smoked but me, and it got it got annoying because we would do notes in that section. And everyone else was fine. I had to just sit there in this like cloud of smoke while everyone's like, and of course it's during the rehearsal process. So people are smoking even more, right? you know, right. cause everyone's stressed out or trying to figure this out. So it was my first show and I'm just, just standing just in this clouds and clouds of smoke. It was, uh, it was crazy. You never started. You never had one? No. I knew a guy in Amsterdam who never drove a car, never drove a car, never drove a car. And I'm like, never drove a car what do you mean never got never got behind a wheel never drove a car i'm thinking how do you never drive a car never wanted to drive a car but in amsterdam it's a different situation i got my license because i moved out here my first driver's license i got i was 30 years old <laughs> i got it in chicago i never drove up until then i was like well i'm moving to la i but you're from texas where i wouldn't i never drove did they have public transportation no i just had really nice friends <laughs> Who would be and, 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 and patient parents uh-huh. who would t- pick me up and drop me off school and plays and everything. Um, were your parents very supportive of everything you were doing? A hundred and ten percent. Isn't that awesome? They Doesn't never make, questioned it. They never questioned. Never questioned it. They they said, I mean, it sounds a little cliche, but it was like you, whatever it is that you choose to do, you go out and you be the best of at that. And I've always. There's a joke that we now have that we can count the times that they didn't go see a show in one hand versus the shows they, that they uh, did see. They right. were so, I mean, so supportive and still are very supportive. Do you have siblings? I have an older sister. And was it the same thing with whatever it was that she decided to do? Yeah, also, same thing. I mean, they were just, yeah, they were great. It was a very fun happy childhood and we're still very close and even now getting to see them now that i live so much closer they live in phoenix now so Mm. i'm so much closer to them now than when i lived in chicago so it made everyone just more excited and happy and now i'm just like a six hour drive away where's your sister live Uh, also in uh she lives in chandler my parents are in gilbert which are all uh, phoenix yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. i I, looking at that and the idea of raising a child to do whatever it is that they want to do, because the idea of not, I don't think, I remember, I remember being in college and it was my sister's bat mitzvah mm-hmm. and, uh, cause my sister's 12 years younger than I am. And it was my sister's bat mitzvah and a family friend, she said, how's school? And I said, fine, fine. And she said, what is it that you want to do? How's it going? And I said, I, I said, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. And she went, she said, um, no one does. <laughs> and I remember that lifting something off of, lifting this weight off of my shoulders. And I was thinking later on, if parents would just realize that no one really knows what it is that they're going to do and their children are going to be fine, and no amount of, why don't you try this, 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 would help. I don't know, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But I, I feel like the support of whatever it is that your kid wants to do 
haven't tried that. Yeah, exactly. And they never, I mean, thinking about it now too, the crazy part is I never really had a backup plan and they never really forced me to have a backup plan. There were definitely times where it was a little scary that you could tell that they were like, well, you know, I mean, maybe you can do more writing or, you know, there were things where it's like, but it was still, still keeping me in the same set. field. Yeah. Um, but there was never a freak out. Uh-huh. There was never a freak out. And, and if anything, it was, it was the opposite. It was like, well, just let us know whatever it is we can do to help. Um, but yeah, I've, I've had their support from day one. From day one. They never had a freak out. Mm-mm. Never had a freak out. Or if they did, I never saw it. Right. And their marriage is very tight. Mm-hmm. See, I, what is that? What do you think that has to do? Like, that has to, do not have, to not have any, they never had a freak out. So they didn't know how to, they didn't freak out. They weren't freak outers. They were, they, yeah, they, whatever stress or pressure they were ever feeling when they were raising my sister and I, we never saw. I think now talking to them now and hearing stories from, I mean, they were young parents. They had my sister probably when they were, I think like 20. <gasps> so they were young parents. And like, so they're young now. Yeah. How old are they? They are uh, 63. Uh-huh. Um, oh, they're about the same age? Yes. Yeah. Wow, did they go I, to high school together? They didn't. They didn't. My, my mom, but this is kind of a fun little romantic story. My mom was at my dad's high school graduation before they even knew each other, mm-hmm. just by chance. Um, and then they ended up meeting, you know, a year or two later. But um, I think that they, they struggled financially when they were raising us, but we never, we never saw it. I never felt it at all what an amazing way to grow up oh it's they i i every time it's so funny like i just did my show in phoenix and they were there and my parents were also at my last show in chicago and it always surprises me once i start talking about them with everyone else i just start tearing up because it's just i really couldn't have done it without them and there's the fact that they're still so supportive. Maybe even more so because they're seeing the fruits of what it is. I can, I, they're seeing the fruits of what it is that you're doing. Yeah, hopefully. Because that's, you know, and, and for me now I'm at a point where it's like all I want to do is give back to them, you know, as much as I can. And how would you do that? How do you see doing that? Well, it is fun when they're able to sort of see me do something. Whether it's my show or, you know, a TV gig, commercial, whatever. It's always fun to do that. Um... And um, if I can financially, I, you know, might try to help them here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, for me, that's how I, that's, that's really how I equate trying to give back to them. Right. They never ask for it and they never make me feel guilty about it. It's just me being like, please, like, I'm now seeing, you know, how my entire life you guys just gave so much. They gave so much. I mean, they'll describe to me how when they, when my sister was first born, she was a newborn, they got their first apartment and my dad was really excited that he brought home this bed that he, a mattress he'd gotten from Goodwill. And they were excited because they're like, oh my gosh, we have this mattress. And then like, opening the mattress and finding like all these bugs and them just being like, Oh, how? so like, just, I can't even imagine. Like I think of myself at 19 and 20 and like, I can't even imagine doing what you guys did. No, 19 and That's 20. That's crazy. The, the, the stuff that people do 
when they want to do it and they don't see any impediment. Because your folks, sounds like they wanted to have kids. Yeah. Oh, right? yeah. And they didn't see that. Because how many people go, you know what, we'd like to have kids, but we don't know if we can afford it. It's mm-hmm. like, if you want to have kids, affording it is going to right. come with you yep. having that kid. And if you're, and for me, I don't have that gene. I don't sure. have a gene to say, i got to have kids. I don't have that driving thing. But I have a driving thing in other ways. Sure. And the driving thing in other ways are, you know, what is it that I want to do today? What, where do I want to travel to? Who is it that I want right. to interview? And when I look at those things and I see the only impediment of me doing that is me thinking I can't do that. Sure. Yeah. And your folks, they just made it work. Yeah. And and that's what they'll say. And a lot of my friends who are parents now will say it's like, as far as kids are like, even when you think you're ready, you're not ready. Like you're, you're just not ready. You can be as prepared as possible financially. You've read all the books, everything. You still have no idea what it's, what it's going to happen and how it's going to impact your life. Isn't that also true of everything? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. You know? Yes. Where, you go, where, where when you came out here and someone told you you're going to do this one show where you don't utter a word, mm-hmm. I mean, you probably said I could do that, but you probably also think, how the fuck did that happen? Exactly. And that's something I always try to remember, too. I feel like every great thing that's ever happened in my life came as a surprise. Like, none of it ever came because I was like... Okay, I've done this, this, and this, so now here comes my big prize. If I did that, if I said, I'm going to do this, this, and this, where's my big prize? That big prize never comes. <laughs> but then when I'm not thinking, right. another prize comes or whatever. You know Isn't what I mean? Like you, it's, you, just, you can't plan for it. Why do you think that is? I have my, my feeling, but why do you think that is? Um, what stops you? you know, why do you think that is? I think it's because... We're giving ourselves the chance to approach it as our complete unprepared selves. It's just, it's just our, our truer sense of ourselves. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's like, it's not, I'm not forcing it. I'm not overthinking it. I'm not overworking it. It's coming because it's like, whatever I did to put that in motion, I had no idea that that's what I was doing to put that in motion. And as long as you don't know what you did that would put that in motion, why would I... Why, why would I not trust the rest of that? Right. You know, so I put that in motion. Now it's happening. Why, wouldn't, why would I now want to control whatever the fuck that right. was? Right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I think, yes, that's exactly it. I also believe that it's like, a, it's like an improv scene where you say, okay, the end of the scene needs to be this. And if you aim toward what it is that you perceive the end of the scene to be, you're missing what it is and what it could be. Yep. And you are also making people hate you. <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I, I always tell students the, the best laugh you can get as an improviser is the laugh that surprises you. That you're like, oh, I wasn't even, I'm glad that the audience laughed at that, but I was just, I'm just doing the scene. I'm playing the scene. Yeah. You know? uh, last night, uh, watching the, uh, did you watch the Oscars? I did. So the one line that I think was ad-libbed by Neil Patrick Harris got the biggest laugh. And that was like, it takes balls to wear that dress. Oh, right. You know, and right. I feel like, oh, that, that's who that guy is. Mm-hmm. That's who that guy mm-hmm. is. Because everybody, everything else is not that guy. Right. And because it's not that guy, he's, he's walking through this fucking miserable experience mm-hmm. because he's not him. Right. And how, how great is it when you're also, when you're improvising, when a one-word response or a facial reaction 
gets a huge laugh because you're just you're just you're just reacting and you're you're just so there you're in the moment you're 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 sincere yourself and it's just one word and everyone just it, it explodes it's great because it's just you're just I, I think about it what it must be to do your show i haven't seen it um and i'm going to see it i'm mm-hmm. going to see it um but you don't you don't say anything and you get you're getting no. the laughs yes the same it. thing because you're 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 doing you're truly in the moment and you're trusting yourself in the moment mm-hmm. what else do you need Right. Because how many times have you seen somebody do an improv scene where they have that line, they get that laugh, and then they have to tag that. Right. And the tagging of that is highlighting the that, and you've just made me think about that. And I don't want to think about that because I want to have that organic, kinesthetic outburst, and you're now shutting it down because you're making noise. Right. Right. Yeah. It's been... Doing this show's been it's been the it's been one of the best things I've ever done um for myself. It came as a it came as a reaction to you know, I've been out here for about six years and I was kind of getting basically the show I started to do it to write it because I I thought I'm done waiting for permission to do what I want to do and to do what I know I'm good at. So I'm just going to do it. And it's the best thing I could have done. It's been, it's so fun. The, the live show is so fun to do. We, we wrote a web series based on it. And people are, are, are loving the show because it's unique and they haven't seen anything like it in a while. And it's what I feel I can do really well and what's really fun for me to do on stage, which I haven't necessarily been given the opportunity to do. Uh, and we talked a little bit about this when we ran into each other at I.O. or something, just the idea of being out here. What's nice about being out in L.A. is you really get to decide who you want to play with, what you want to do, and you just do it. Yep. And that's been so great for me because as much as I loved, as much as I loved my time in Chicago and doing Second City, I definitely felt, personally, I felt a sense of I have to write a certain way. I have to perform a certain way while I'm on this stage because of its history and yeah. because of you know the style um that and you you're saying it it was it was initially inorganic that writing was inorganic to who who you are or were exactly I I, I feel like I made it work and, I, and I'm proud of a lot of the work I did but looking back I now regret like I wish I would have done more of the stuff that I really, really love doing out here, which is like the physical stuff. Some of it's a little weird. Some of it's just kind of silly. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I think that was, I probably imposed that on myself. That was never anything that anyone was saying or doing. It was Don't just, you also think it was part of your process? Yeah. Because, when, because if it's part of your process, how can you regret it? Right. You know, because all of you having done that led, leads you to this. Mm-hmm. And to look back on it and go, oh, I regret, I wish that I... It's like, no, you're, you, were, you were gathering your confidence in those areas and also discovering those areas too. And, and in it, you are also discovering the areas that you don't want to do, right. which is just as vital. As long as you, you do it first and then decide that you don't want to do it as opposed to don't do it and don't deci- and no, decide yeah. you don't want to do it. You're absolutely right because this, this show, this current, the one-man show, mm-hmm. um, wouldn't have happened if I didn't have that 
feeling before of like, well, I wanted now just do something that I want to do. I it's so interesting to me because whenever I hear the word regret, it stands out to me like sure. one of those words like cancer or divorce mm -hmm. or something like that, where I go regret, regret, regret. How do we? What is regret? What the fuck is regret? Because regret is you looking back on something and you looking back on something and and thinking, looking back at something and thinking you shouldn't have done that, not realizing that you did that because of something that was that predicated that action that you did, that right. led you up to that. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, you didn't have some kind of brain injury that caused you to make that decision or caused you to act in a certain way. You were on the trail that you were on, on the journey that you were on, on the path that you were on. That all made sense in that moment. Right, right. No, it's true. It's very true. And even when you hear about you know, movies or, or plays or whatever that took such a long time to produce and you hear about now iconic casts in movies that used to, that when the project was first brought on had a completely different cast or completely different creative team, it would have been a totally different movie and you can't even, you almost can't even picture those people involved with that project. <laughs> but it took what it had to take to get there, right? Like it had to go through those weird hurdles and missteps and whatever to get to whatever the finished product is. I th there are so many stories like that. Yeah. Um, Dr. Strangelove wasn't supposed to have George C. Scott in it. Really? But um, it was supposed to be, um, what's his name? We did all, uh, it was supposed to be Peter, uh, 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 the guy that, uh, the main guy being there. My, oh, Peter my, Sellers. Peter Sellers. Uh -huh. It was supposed to be Peter Sellers, but uh -huh. Peter Sellers broke his leg and couldn't oh. do it. And so George C. Scott came in. Now also, originally cast as R.P. McMurphy in Cuckoo's Nest, uh -huh. it was going to be someone like Kirk Douglas. That's right, yeah. Somebody like that, and you go, yeah. how the fuck does that work? How right. would that work? Right. How would that work? And who knows? And the thing is, who knows? And who knows? And here's the thing, who knows? You who know, knows it's how such it a, would... It's such a weird thing to go back and go, well, I think I know, because mm -hmm. you don't know. And it is that, where it, it, it it's and, and here's another thing. Whatever it was that you did, that you whatever it was that one does that they regret, what they're doing is they're also negating all that happened after that because of that. Mm -hmm. And great things happen after that. Right. That that incident, now you're also packaging it as a as a series of incidents. That incident that happened, you're going, I wish that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Isn't that what regret is? I wish that didn't happen. <laughs> right. Right. But look at all the great things that happened while you were doing that. Exactly. I mean, and that's that's just it. I mean, I I remember that's one thing that I remember thinking when I first started doing ETC in Chicago. Um, I think there was a, a a session of like Lord Michaels came and saw the show. It was my first ETC show, and I already I was already like, I hope he sees me. I hope this gets me on SNL. Blah blah blah. And then nothing happened and I was probably upset about it. But now, looking back, there's no way that I would have, that I would be where I am right now if I didn't have that journey that I had in Chicago, which I took my time and it was great. It was great. It was also during that last sort of generation of the very traditional path, which was Turco ETC main stage that's what exactly what i did well now like you might do a ship you might do oh i see you know uh -huh. you might do some uh, uh other like remote theatrical thing right and... in phoenix or somewhere exactly like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah right right yeah atlanta or something. right yeah so for me that was the perfect the perfect progression for me right to go right like you know 
a year touring, uh, two two ETC shows, three main stage, and I wouldn't. I it was my grad school. Like I went out there right after I graduated college, and that's what I consider my grad school is Chicago. I it turned me into a much more confident writer, director, actor, and all of that. That word confidence, boy, that's the that's it. That's that's everything for mm-hmm. me. It's everything. And when I look at somebody who's confident, I go, I want to I want to hang out with that person. Yeah. Now, here's the thing about confidence. I believe and I've said it before, I believe that one thing about confidence is one thing one huge thing about confidence is you can fake it. And if you fake confidence, sooner or later, you don't fake it anymore. And here's another thing about confidence. Confidence guides you in a way that the lack of confidence stops you. For you to say, I would like to do that. I'm going to do that. I would like to do that. I'm, I can't do that. How come people... That's for somebody else to do. Mm-hmm. And as you get older, you realize that opportunities are given to you for a reason. Right. Right. And opportunities aren't given to you for a reason. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, especially L.A. versus Chicago. In Chicago, and I don't know if it's because it's the improv and sketch world, you are trained or it's somehow ingrained in you that you can play anything in right not even just like doing improv and sketch you're like oh i can do any i can play any character on stage. yes i yes. could be a hundred years old i could be eight years old i could be a man i could be a woman whatever and then when you come out here at least this happened for me it was an awakening like not that i ever thought i could play an old man like someone older than myself but there was definitely a sense of like submit me for everything i could play any submit me for anything and then you quickly learn, oh, wait, that's not the case. No. Um, and there, but there's also something about that that's very freeing. Like, there's a part that you let, that's like, well, I don't have to worry about that because there's no way in hell I would play that part. That's okay. I know people who can play that very well. Mm-hmm. And now I can take the pressure off of myself of trying to fit that mold and focus on the stuff that's right for me. Which, is always, which has been a big thing for me just in general. Especially just being a minority and, and what... what this industry's, you know, idea of what that is, of mm-hmm. who I should be playing, mm-hmm. you know, it's a very interesting, it's been an interesting struggle. I, I, I totally understand what you're saying. I absolutely understand it. Because when you first come out here, it's like, give me everything. Yeah. And then after a while you go, no, I don't want to do that. Because, and here's the thing for me is because that's not who I am. And you're asking me to be somebody that I'm not. Right. And then it also has to do with the idea of me coming out here and not having an agent. Me being out here, having an agent, having a ma- having an agent, uh, having an agent, having an agent, uh, <laughs> a theatrical agent, and having a commercial agent, and now having neither of those. Mm-hmm. And my having neither of those, I could not be happier sure. because that wasn't the journey, the path. And I was saying, why is this not happening for me? Here's the reason it wasn't happening for me. I didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. That's why. Mm-hmm. And I think that so many people, things aren't happening for people because they really don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And then right. once you go, oh, I don't want to do it, then it clears the way for what you want to do. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Writing this show, this again, we're going back to the, the, the solo show, mm-hmm. and... I had no idea where it was gonna what was gonna happen. I just wanted to do it. It was it there was there was a an energy there that came from frustration. What's the title of the show? Uh, Ithamar has nothing to say. Okay. Uh, solo sketch show I perform without saying a word. Um, 
it came from frustration. It came from impatience. It came from something that was just in me that I wanted to sort of get out. And I knew that that's the type of show I wanted to do. I knew I, I knew I wanted to do a solo show where I wasn't speaking because I just love doing physical pieces to music. That's all I knew. I knew that only one person could direct it, and that was Frank Cayetti. Right. Not only because of our really strong relationship, strong friendship. That you got in Chicago. That we, that, yes. See, there's another reason that you yep. stayed in there Chicago. Yeah, there you go. A uh, little side note, when I first, you know, when they put you in a touring company, you you don't pick who those people are. It's like a family, right? Right. Um, the three guys were... So were, you don't pick the people that are, it's like a family. Yeah, it is. It's like a family, <laughs> right? Right? So it was, uh, it was Brian Shortall, uh-huh. Frank Coyote, and me. And I did not know... Who were the know, women? Uh, the women were Jen Bills, Rachel Mason, and Jenny Hagel. And we were directed by, uh, at first, by Josh Funk, and then by Sue Gillen. So uh-huh. it was just... Who's Magical now in, time. Who's now in Amsterdam. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Running the Boom Chicago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Or working for Boom Chicago. I did not know Frank or Brian really at all mm-hmm. before that. And now here we are, however long, 10 years later, and they are my two closest friends out here. Yeah. I mean, and the two people who I collaborate the most. I like that Brian Shortle, man. Yeah. I like him. Oh, I like Frank Coyote too. But man, what a, what a mensch. What a grounded man. I know. Well, and all the, what's so what was so fun about that time too was that all three of us, the we have such different styles, but we could also fulfill any of those parts in those archival scenes, which is really fun. Right. Um, when you're doing the turn company. Right in the turn company. Right. But what I was going to say about Frank was so I knew that I wanted Frank to direct it because he's also just so talented, so smart. He just knows comedy. So that's all I knew. So we just started meeting. We started talking about it. I started bringing in material, and then now we're—I've now been working on this show in some capacity for a little bit over a year, and it's been the most fun I've had. And I just want to keep doing this type of work. It's interesting because you started that—you started this thread, if you will, um, by saying it grew out of frustration, mm-hmm. and it grew out of aggravation or frustration. And I was thinking, as you're saying that, it grew out of frustration. Not everything grows out of joy. It grows sure. out of frustration. The fact that the frustration, 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 frustration. I think so. Frustration. Um, I'm just using that word because now it sounds weird because I'm yeah, saying it so often. Frustration. He's like that can't. Frustation. 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 <laughs> yeah, it's a frustation, which is like you keep them in the cooler and you get your frustation. Uh, the frustration. Oh my I know, God. not right, right. No, that I'll can't. try not to say crustacean while we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> That's one where you roll over and with your car, you crush the oh, no. engine. Um, no. Anyway, so. <laughs> All right. but, but the fact that it came out of frustration, <laughs> the idea that that gave, your frustration gave birth to this thing, mm-hmm. which is also interesting because it gave birth to your voice, but you're not using your voice, but you're right. using your voice in that you're not using your voice. Right. And how awesome that is that your frustration gave you voice in a show where you don't use your voice <laughs> and this show is your voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, the f- here it goes again. It's 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 the word. If you're pl- if you're if you're playing a drinking game, <laughs> take another drink. The frustration of how many times we say frustration uh, l- led way to the joy. That's that's what's so great. Yes. I was frustrated because I wasn't having fun trying to figure out how to do oh what. I think people are expecting me to do it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to stop worrying about what people are expecting. I'm going to do what I do. And it's been the best. It's been the best. I think the question always is, um, what is it that I want to do? And because the answer is, 
what is it that you want to do? Uh, and the answer to what is it that you want to do has nothing to do with what you think you can't do. Mm -hmm. It has to do with what do you want to do, what do, what do you feel you could do. And when you feel that you could do that, that's what you want to do. Mm -hmm. And I think that so many people out here, and because again, something that you've done was you did a bunch of things. One thing that you did was you went, uh, I am creating the universe that I want to live in. Mm -hmm. What you also did is you said, um, I am creating the, I'm creating the universe that I want to live in in the venues that I want to live in that universe. The venues being Second City, uh, LA, Hollywood, um, being on the road, and the web series, mm -hmm. and you're you're not letting those you're 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 allowing yourself to go into all those venues in order for you to unfold and unfold and evolve. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and how great that is mm -hmm. that that you said I'm going to do that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's been so gratifying, and it's also for me it's opened up this world where right now the show is like 48 minutes, and I'm thinking I could write another. 48 minutes and start from scratch. I could do, I can just do so much because now I've proven to myself that I can do it and that it's fun and that it's just the well of ideas is just, it's huge. Right. It's huge. Oh, the idea that you, you, you've proven to yourself that you can do it. Yeah. Did you ever think you couldn't do it? No. Right? No. But I guess it was just a mystery. Right. And and that the concept of the mystery, we should teach mystery to children. You know what I mean? Like the idea that your life is a total mystery, and we're not going to know what it's about until the end of the mystery. Uh -huh. So while you're in the middle of the mystery, please enjoy the process of mystery. Right. But do you think we have to teach them? Don't you think they naturally? Well, then let's harvest They're naturally it. curious because and... I, I'm because the people coming up to you and going, so what are you going to be doing? Mm -hmm. So what are you doing? You're doing that. What are you doing? As opposed to. So what are you doing? Nothing. Oh, right. How's that working out? <laughs> and not in a sarcastic way. Sure, sure. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's this, where if you tell me you're not doing anything, here's the thing. I don't believe you. I think you're doing something. Right. What, and then because it's, it's that, I want to I poke around in your, I want to poke around in your day and see what the fuck you're doing. Mm -hmm. you know? What are you doing? And it's so funny. I have people on the show and I go, so what's happening? It's like nothing. And then a week later, I realized that their Amazon series is coming out. I'm going, what the fuck just happened? Right. Why wouldn't you tell me that? Well, it's a weird. It's also a weird. It's a weird thing, and I think social media has a lot to do with it. It's a weird thing because there's that there's that balance of I don't want to brag the to bra people, but I also don't. You also don't want to be so humble that it's like, no. I, if you're doing something, tell me. I will. That's exciting. Like. If you're on a show, if you just did a commercial, whatever it is, if you opened up a play, you know, wherever, tell me. I want to know. Now, if, if you're working on something, I want to know. We, I feel like we keep that to ourselves, too. Like, no one wants to hear about a script I'm writing. No one. Yes. Like, just tell me. It inspires me. That's what I mean. You know? I'm just thinking that same thing. You're telling me that you're doing that inspires me to do that. Your success in what it is that you're doing makes me feel that there's success in my life. There's success in my life. You know what I mean? Yes. Like when right. when I saw your commercial yesterday during the um this, during the I was gonna say Super Bowl during the, the Oscars, Oscars uh -huh. when I saw your commercial. It's our Super Bowl, Dave. I, the Oscars <laughs> is, it our, is Super our Super Bowl, Bowl. right? Um, <laughs> when I saw you during our Super Bowl, um, I was thinking 
I, I, I look at that and I go, oh, there's him tomorrow. I get yeah. to see him tomorrow. And the idea of he's working. And my friend Paul Hungerford. Do you know Paul? I don't know. Did you, did you watch the entire thing? Yes. Okay, so he's in the commercial where, um, all right, the, 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 it's the mayor coming in or the police commissioner coming mm -hmm. in. It's in a huge room and saying, where, do you look at the paper, we're an embarrassment. Oh, okay. And do you remember that? Uh -huh. And there are cops in it and he's this big white guy. And, and Paul says, look, um, we got to move out of here because my wife's having uh, her, uh, her book club in here now. Oh, yes, 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 yes. yes. That, that's so right. that's yes. Paul. Yes. That's yes. Paul. Yes. That's yes. fucking Paul. I see him a lot. And I go, yeah. yeah, and he works a lot. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and... Here's the thing about Paul is uh, he's, he gets joy, he gets such joy out of working, of doing that. And he's working at uh, Impro Theater. He's doing that. And he's, he's on the road and he has a family and lives his life. And it's like, fucking A, man. Mm -hmm. That's what we're out here to do. Right. And if you think you, again, if you think you know why you're out here, you're not paying attention. Uh, two weeks ago, I had an audition for a TV show and I ran into a really good friend. And we were just talking, and it was. I always just loved catching up with him, and mm -hmm. I was just asking, him like, "How's it going?" And he goes, "Well, he's like, you know, I, I'm not really booking anything right now, but I'm leaving the room, the audition room, so happy with what I did and having so much fun that I'm just in a really happy mode right now." And I'm like, "How amazing is that? Like, he's happier now having fun in the room." Than if he was trying to like try to figure out, you know, trying to force how am I going to book this? And I was like, what an amazing place to be at to be like, I don't care if I book this or not. I'm just, I'd I'm love happy to book with it. I'd love to book sure, it. Sure, yes, of course, of course. But I'm not going to force it or I'm not going to not have fun doing it. Yeah, and, and so again, we go back to it's not the end, right? It's the process, right? Right. It's not the end. Because when we're focused on the end, we, which we, which us focusing on the end has nothing to do with the outcome. Right. Right. Because we get to be in it that will lead us toward that milestone, that mile mm -hmm. marker. Yeah. Which is not the end. Right. And it goes back to what we said before. It's like the stuff that happened, the good things that happen is when we're, oh, really? It's like it surprises us. Right. That's happened to me in auditions before where I'll, I'll leave a room being like, whoo, that was my best work ever. Can't wait to get the call. Don't hear anything. And then I'll hear the, they'll get the phone call. You're called back for this. That's the one? I don't remember doing anything in that room. Like, really? And But that's, again, it just goes to show you, like, it's just, it's those times when you're just not overthinking it. Yeah. And because when you're overthinking it, you're not over, you're, you're not, when you're overthinking it, you're not overliving it. You sure. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, to live in it, mm -hmm. to live in it, to, to live in it. I thought um, so. I, I have this 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 device that mm -hmm. records the um, the podcast, mm -hmm. and um, and I set it up before people come here because it requires a little bit of zhuzhing, and I have to check make sure that all the the all the settings are set and blah blah blah. So I came out here, and where it normally is, which is on the shelf in the back, I didn't see it back there, and I'm thinking, who came in and took it, mm -hmm. or where did I put it? And I looked around the apartment and I'm thinking, how could somebody come in here and take it? And while I'm doing that, I'm conscious of me thinking somebody came in here and took it mm -hmm. and thinking, what is that? And then I kept going back to the same place and I realized it's dark. It's dark back there. It was back there in, in broad dark light. 
and I missed it. And so then I get to laugh at myself and realize I had experienced that experience of me thinking that somebody came in and took it. Mm -hmm. And I find that those kind of experiences, those day-to-day experiences where we would go, thank God I did it, thank God I found it, now I have to zhuzh it up, you know, put this thing together, as opposed to, isn't that interesting, the experience that I just had of hunting this fucking thing down? (laughs) And and to sit back and take the moment to go, that happened. Mm -hmm. I hunted that down. I thought I lost it. And look at the time that I spent there. But I don't have a regret, going back to this, of going, wow, why did I treat myself that way? I went, right. how awesome that was that yeah. I thought somebody took it. Mm-hmm. But we get to be, we get to have that feeling all the time. Sure. Yeah. To walk out of a room and to say, I don't know, I had fun in there. Yeah. That's all that matters. Yeah. And if you want to look at that and go, I had fun in there, I'm probably not going to book it. I probably know who's going to book it. That fucker gets in them all the time. get shorter and shorter yeah, and fatter yeah. and fatter and, uh-huh. and pancake. And then you're a car rodent over because you're Asian. But, uh, <laughs> but it's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like being yeah. out here, if, if, if you want to make this a bad experience, go fucking right yep. ahead. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's not worth it. Because what I've also quickly realized is that you have absolutely no control over it. You have... You have maybe ten percent control of how the outcome of of your the outcome of the audition, the outcome of whatever it is that you're trying to do. The preparation, it, certainly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can do what you can be the best actor in the world. You can go in there and you can have you can give the best performance they have ever seen on video ever. And for whatever reason, you're still not going to get the part because right. of something that you have absolutely nothing to do with. Yep. So why, yep. why overanalyze it? I auditioned for Cirque du Soleil mm-hmm. and I worked my fucking ass off on this audition. And it was an audition for a, um, like an MC of a show and there's a big dance number and I fucking sweated out and, they, and I had to memorize music and sing and I blew my voice out. I'm like, I fucking nailed it. Never heard from them. And I felt like, what the fuck? Uh And then, here's the thing. I never heard about the play. I never heard about the show again. Mm -hmm. They canceled the show. Right. Yeah. Uh, Steven Tobolowski, do you know who that is? He's the character actor who's uh, Groundhog Day. He's on that net? Or uh, or does he he play He has a one-person show, too. Oh, does he? I think so, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So he has this great story of... He says he knew that he had made it when a friend of his texted him and said, hey, I'm going out for a part today that's asking for a Steven Tobolowsky type. So then Steven called his manager and said, get me in that room, right? Auditioned, did not get the part. <laughs> so here is Steven Tobolowsky, who they wrote the part with a Steven Tobolowsky type, and he couldn't even... Get that part. That's hilarious. Isn't it amazing? Well, you know Joe Liss, right? Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, so Joe Liss. I worked with Joe Liss on uh, Twist Your Dickens. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Great. What a great guy. Wonderful guy. So when he was out here, because he lives in Oakland now, when he was out here, he heard about the same thing. They were listening for a Joe Liss type. <laughs> and he called his agent, and his agent went, oh, well, of course, we're going to get you on there. And his agent called him back and goes, they know who you are. They're not interested. <laughs> I love it. And that's the type of thing, that, that's the type of stuff about, about this industry and about LA that, speaking of short all, he gave me the best advice before I moved out here, which is he's like, listen, once you're able to realize that this is all 
bullshit, like you're going to enjoy it so much more. Right. And I have to tell you, it's the best advice. When you're able to sit back and be like, none of this makes sense and I'm going to enjoy that. I'm going to really have fun in that. Like it makes it so much more fun, so much more tolerable. Because you're living your life without having you're living your life in that moment. You're not living the expectation right. of what you think that your life shouldn't be. And comparing those things, right. comparing the now to what you perceive it, it, it has to be or should be or you expect it to be. Mm-hmm. The sooner that you could do that anytime. But you also go back to, we know we 10% of what we're doing, we're in charge of. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not just us. That's also the lady that works at Walmart. That's mm-hmm. also the per- the executive at Target. You know, that's also the person that has their own store on Third, you know, on Third and and, and La Cienega over there. Mm-hmm. You know, those are those people. They think, you know, do they think that there's comfort in? Do they think that there's security in that? Probably. Yeah. But they live the life of mystery just as anybody else. Does. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. It's um. I mean, going back to improv, it's the same thing. The best, I'm always telling my students this too, it's like the best stuff comes from when you're not expecting, you're not planning for it. Right. I feel like, I almost feel like there's so, the danger in how huge improv has become is that it now becomes this thing that you can overthink or this thing that, well, I've taken classes here, and 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 of course, of course, they're all going to have contradicting styles. They're all going to have things that, but that's like any other acting school too, right? You grab what works for you, and so I, I feel like there, there's a there's there's a, a tendency to overthink it because there's it's so huge, though it's such a thing, and I'm I'm glad that it's huge, but in the same regard, that also makes it more important. It makes it more uh, serious, right. you know, and it, because of all these different techniques, it's very, it's, it's very easy for a student to get structured in their scene. Well, I know that the first three lines are this and the second three lines and the third beat. It's like, once you're playing like that, there's just, there's no fun. There's no mystery. There's no, it also, it, it, you're also putting a governor on where the scene really wants to go. Right, right. And yet there are certain things where I, I look back on scenes that I did at Second City that were structured and it paid off. Mm-hmm. Like the Maya scene mm-hmm. where you go, there's a structure I to that. that. Scene so much. It's a beautiful scene, but there's a structure to that entrance, introduction, sure. uh, connection, uh, connection between these guys. Entrance, introduction, connection. Entrance, introduction, connection. So in a way, it's sort of like a herald. But in that way, there is that structure, but that, that's, that's that, particular, that works for that particular scene. And that's also unique in that you are improvising to get to a scripted you to get to a written piece yes 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 now That's i heard really of, if you don't mind me asking i heard because it's probably my favorite um archival scene that that is pretty much the way it was first improvised that is pretty much the way it was first improvised oh my gosh. it's crazy it's crazy and to see you guys do it at the 50th was so thrilling it was so it was a highlight it was such a, highlight, such a classic a scene that we all know and have done on the road and to see the cast was just like, it was so great to see you guys doing that. It, it was, was it, like those guys, Stephen, Steve, Steve Carell and Steve Colbert brought it in uh, on a, uh, probably a Tuesday for rehearsal. We, we, we were, we're, people can watch it on YouTube. 
called Maya. Uh, yeah. They 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 brought it on a Tuesday. We rehearsed it Tuesday. We put it in the improv set Tuesday night. We watched this, the, the we watched the video on Wednesday. We honed it a little more. We put it in the set Wednesday night. Thursday, we pretty much the longest part of that was then figuring out what that song was at the end. Mm -hmm. uh, it was uh, the Sweet Honey and the Rock. Oh, uh, we God. are every one of us. Oh. Yeah, and, we, and that was it. And I talk about that scene a lot because there's also going back to that moment you were talking about earlier where you go, just one word, just one word, and you're going to get a laugh. And in Corral, when Corral is in that scene and somebody introduces him and he goes, sup, or whatever it was, you go, that's fucking hysterical. Mm -hmm. Well, it's funny you mention that because I remember I did that scene for a, a show we were doing theater on the lake and I played Corral's part mm -hmm. and I found the biggest laugh on, please don't, the, <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah, towards the end. Right. I think it was the two of you, right? It was yeah, Colbert yeah. and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And just, please, don't, please don't. Please don't. Oh, please don't. Please don't. That was please just, don't. oh my God. Before the kiss. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. But it is that yeah. pressure, tension, and dynamic that happens in that and you trust the moment and you are there Steve, that scene is about Carell. Yeah. That scene's about Carell. Yeah, yeah. About his transformation. Yeah. And to say, you know, entering that scene, you have no idea who, who's the star of that scene. Right. You think the star of that scene is going to be Colbert. Sure. But the star of that scene is Carell, mm -hmm. is the star of that scene. Right. So the idea of do you think that you're the, are you the star of your own movie or letting somebody else be the star of your own movie? You're your own star in yeah. that moment. You get to live your life in that moment. You right. get to be in that moment. And we don't, we don't want to know where the stars, where the star is going to go right right um uh watching i'm in the i'm like one fifth through the book gone girl okay and uh they showed a segment of it yesterday mm -hmm. on and i i can't watch it because i'm not i'm not done with it right and i don't right. want to even hear what's happening right because i have no idea what's going to happen and i love the idea of let's why do I want to know what's going to happen? Right, right. Why do I want to know what's going to happen with my life? Why do I want to know what's going to happen w with my finances? Or whatever. I mean, certainly my finances is something that I want to know what's going to happen. But in order for me to know what's going to happen, I need to know what's happening now. Right. But, and, but, and that's what I was saying before. Even if you do know how it's all going to turn out, it's not going to turn out that way. Even if you do know. Even if you think you know. Exactly. Right. Right. And Even, then we yeah. get to, then we get that surprise moment mm -hmm. where you go, I didn't fucking see that coming. Right now, when that surprise moment comes, and you still have the outcome that you thought was going to happen, but this surprise moment has certainly has suddenly made the road split into two different ways. Right. Are you going to go into the direction that you thought was going to go? Are you going to go? I was so fucking inspired by this surprising moment that mm -hmm. happened in my life that that is where my life wants me to fucking go. Right. 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 Yeah, because I mean, it's so easy to, going back to Chicago, when I was there, it was a very laid out path, right? Everyone, when you first start, you're like, you take classes, you get Second City Touring Company, you hope to get on one of the stages, SNL, or at the time, Mad TV, or any sketch show comes to see you, you get on those shows, that's it. And I think McNapier says it best, where it's like, Touring company, main stage, SNL, death. <laughs> I think that's how he described it, which I always loved. But that's what people come in thinking it is. And um, but, <laughs> but then once what I learned, once I got to ETC and main stages, you start seeing all of the careers of everyone who performed on that stage 
who didn't go that route and who are doing other things, you're like, oh my God. I mean, all these writers and directors and stage actors and all this. Who would have thought that all of that, that I thought it was this and then a TV sketch show. No, there is so much more. There is so much more. Mm -hmm. And that was such a great realization for me. Because then it was like, oh, okay. Once again, we keep talking about these molds that you're that you feel like you're forced to get into. I'm not, because even though I would have loved to have done one of those TV sketch shows, I'm not sure if I'm the right type of performer for those shows. Well, but the thing is that you're going to find what it is that you're going to do based upon you just being you know, exactly. And how many how many how many shorts have you done where somebody went? You know, be perfect for this. Ithamar would be perfect for it. Mm-hmm. You know, and you didn't have audition for sure, it. Sure, right. Or somebody. I've had four different, five different people write parts for me mm-hmm. in their show. Yeah. You know, I'm not talking about a television show. Yeah. I'm talking about a play. Yeah. And you go, oh, okay, fine. All that I have to do is keep doing what it is that I'm doing and people are going to see who it is that I am. Right. And if I go, oh, it has to, the future has to look like this, mm-hmm. then the present has no... If you say the future has to look like this, then the present is totally out of focus for you. Right. And that's where you really need to go to be, to live in. Yeah. 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 It's, it's great. It's, it's, have you had McBrayer on this yet? No. Okay. No. No. Are you friends with his? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I am too, but it's like Jack's... Jack's tough to get. Sure. Yeah. He he's to me a perfect example of someone who, after Second City, he he moved to New York and was struggling for years because no one really knew what to do with him. They knew he was amazing. They knew he was really funny. No one knew where to put him. Right. And then Tina Fey writes this script, and obviously that part was written for Jack. You know, she's like, I'm going to write the, the 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 part of this page. I'm writing it with Jack in mind. And now, Jack is Jack. Right now, Jack... Jack is Jack. Jack McBrayer, Jack McBrayer. So now you can say, Jack I McBrayer. need Jack McBrayer. I need that type. I right. need, you know? And so there's something kind of exciting about that idea of, you know, you find... you If you just keep doing it, it'll find you. Was it Graham Moore, the guy who won for Imitation Game last night? In the, the, his speech. The, screen, the screenwriter? The screenplay, yeah. Who was saying, I felt oh, like I was weird... There's nothing for me. Stick with it. And then now you'll... I was going to commit suicide is what he said. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's great. It's just great to hear those stories. I think Charlie Day from Always Sunny has a similar story where he was like, I was auditioning and getting nothing, getting nowhere. So I finally decided we wrote this show and now Charlie Day is a Charlie Day type. Yeah. So it just, for some people, it takes that time to like really find who you are and then people will hopefully, oh, like you said, this is a great part for this person. Right. You know? Well, Brian got me into this short that we did that he was also in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a 1940s, uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was a period piece. Uh-huh. And it was a one shot. It was like one continuous shot. And Brian got me into it. And that's why I have this mustache. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he, you know, for me, I'm going, you know, they just went. You know, and they looked, these people looked at my website, they saw my video on the website, and they said, that's it, we're done. Yeah. We're done. Yeah. Now, do, do I know that that was going to happen? No. Did right. I know that was going to happen? No. What ended up happening with that? Who the fuck knows? Mm-hmm. I have no idea what's going to happen with that. Right. But do, what I do know is, I had a fucking great time doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, oh, so also, um, 
I look at people like um, Alexandra Billings. Did you watch? Uh, I know who Alex Billings is. Yeah. So yeah. Alex, I mean, look at that. I know. Look at started as a guy named Scott, went transition. I mean, got got uh, get HIV. Um, is living with HIV. Transgendered, married her, her his high school sweetheart, mm -hmm. married his her high school sweetheart. What's the concept of self there? Right. Where the self was changed because that wasn't who you were when you were born and raised that way. Right. You know, and then you get. She went and got a she be, she got a master's degree from Cal State Long Beach, and then like a minute later, she gets cast in Transparent as essentially, in a way, herself. Right. And before that, the way that I knew Alexandra is being like a huge Chicago theater star. Yep. I mean, huge. Steppenwolf. Yeah. And all the, like all, but even before that, when I first started, yeah. she was, it was uh, Vampire Lesbians of Sodom. Uh -huh. She was doing that show. Yeah. And you go, who the fuck is this? Yeah. Is this person? Yeah, it's, it's, you know. She's a pretty phenomenal human. Do you know her as friends? I don't know her personally. We did, um, I was involved with a theater company where we did a fundraiser. We did a stage reading of a musical and she was like one of the, the leads of this, of the, of the stage reading. And that's the only time we kind of like, we were just in that together, but right. I'd never really like sat and talked with her. Or anything. She's in she is just, she is, uh, her postings on Facebook are just phenomenal. Yeah. They're just so positive. And, and also, she was so great on that show. She was so great on Transparent. So great on that. That show is just really amazing. It really is amazing. <laughs> but going crazy. back to, you know, you go, you know, we're going to go back to uh, the creative process and what you think you're going to do and just keep doing it. And Jill Soloway, who has been on, on, on my podcast and I've known for a long, long time, Jill calls herself just a conduit for the creative process. Mm -hmm. So she just lets herself be and feels whatever it is that's going to come in. And Jill isn't one of these people that go, no, 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 no. Just like, well, I'm waiting. Oh, that's it. Oh, that. Well, I'm waiting for the inspiration. There's the inspiration. And not to sit going, what's the inspiration, what's the inspiration, what's the, ins what's the inspiration? Sitting and saying that, and then connecting that to that, 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 and then you have a show. Isn't it so great? Isn't it, like with Alexandra and, you know, and even in a sense, if we're talking about transparent, even like Jeffrey Tambor, like, isn't it also fun to see people who have found that in their, like, older than 30s and 40s? Like, isn't it fun to see people who... I remember hearing Carell on a on a, a podcast once where they were asking him, you know, you kind of got your start a little later. You know, you were, you know, I think Daily Show. I don't know how old he was, but he was definitely not like in his. I don't even know. Was he thirty at uh, that point, uh, or uh, uh, maybe late twenties? He's probably. I'm fifty. I'll be fifty six in April, so he's probably. Uh, it was probably thirty four. Thirty. Yeah. Thirty. But they asked him. They said, you know, do you again regret? Do you regret this not happening? When you were younger, he goes, no. He said, I can't even imagine what I would have to offer at that time. Like, I'm glad that I've learned and I've done what I've done up until this point to be able to do this now, you know. And it's so fun to hear that, too, of people who it takes a while. It's going to take the time it takes right. to find that. It's going to take the time it takes to find that which you have no idea you're going to be finding. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I mean, look at Ruth Gordon. I mean, right? Didn't she? I mean, her first role was what sixties? She was a six. She was six years old. I don't know. You know? I don't know. But she, she was also married to the playwright Cl uh, Clifford Odets, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Like so, she she's she's the one that said this is what I my understanding one of these Hollywood things where someone said, um, um, Miss Gordon, you you. You know, you're 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 living here. You're living here in Hollywood. Like, um, what's um, 
what's the best way to get to Hollywood? And she said, take fountain. <laughs> and that's what she said. Like, she was, it might not have been fountain, but it was one of those streaks. It's yeah, the best yeah, way to get to yeah. Hollywood. Uh, take fountain. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, uh, but uh, it's, Yes, you look at her, you look at other people like Shomalechem, who was a certain age before he got, uh, oh, uh, uh, Saul Bellows was yeah. a certain age before he was published. But you see all those people, yeah. and they kept doing what it was that they were doing, and you're going, you're going to get out of your, you're going to get out of your shell when you get out of your shell. Yeah. You're going to break through the shell. And I think what also is interesting is just the nature of, just nature of it all is a chick is in an eggshell and that chick has starts out in that eggshell with a lot of room to grow and eventually hits the top of the eggshell and is pushing against that eggshell and is frustrated with that mm -hmm. eggshell but what's happening as they're in that eggshell is they're getting stronger because they're pushing up against right. that they're getting stronger and stronger so that when they do pop through they're not wishing for a bigger eggshell they're going fuck man <laughs> i get a, i get to be chicken mcnuggets yeah. you know like it's the idea of yeah. whatever it is that you're struggling with is that thing that 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 drives you. So yeah. everything that Alex did, Alexandra Billings did, led up to that. Now, who knows how long that show is going to last? Sure. But it is an awesome role, mm -hmm. and Golden Golden Globes, and, and I'm sure she's having the best time. Oh, she is doing it. She is. I mean, but she also, you know, when I had her on my podcast, you know, I asked her about fear. I said, you know, you she's and her relationship with fear is so interesting because it's not the desire to be, a, it's not the desire to remove fear from right. her life. It's the idea of I need to go through this fear because this is what it is that makes it so that I am sure. pushing against the top of that eggshell. Yeah. Same thing going back to just my my solo show came out of frustration, out of maybe, and there's some fear in there too, some fear of what do I have to offer? If, if I'm not getting this stuff, if I'm not booking this, what do I have to offer? Well, you know what? I have this to offer. And what, and, but you didn't say what would happen if, what's going to happen when that doesn't work? No, no. Because that's fucked up. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. I just did it. Um, Justin Simeon, I think that's his last name. He just won a uh, Spirit Award for writing Dear White People. And I just saw his acceptance speech uh, two nights ago. And he said that he'd been working on the script for 10 years. And he said that the, that the script came out of him not seeing himself in the culture. He's like, all the movies and stories that I loved did not have me in them. Did not have my voice, not me. So... I put myself in the culture. And he said, for all of you out there, if you don't see yourself, put yourself in the culture. And that just resonated with me big time. Wow. Let's stop there. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. I recorded that interview a couple of weeks ago. I just came back from seeing Ithamar's show, as I promised. Ithamar's show is entitled... Ithamar has nothing to say. It's at the Second City, 8 o'clock on Saturdays. And Laura and I had a great time. Uh, it's got pathos. It's got humor. It's got so much humor. It's got silence. No, yeah, he doesn't speak. But boy, does he say a boatload of wonderful, wonderful things. It, I, I can't say enough about the show. 8 o'clock, Saturdays, Second City, Hollywood, upstairs. You know where it is. Check it out. Uh, it's just a great evening. See it. See it. See it. 
Uh, ADD Comedy with Dave Rosowski. Thanks, Ian Foley, our producer. Thank you, Ian. Laura Parker, technical assistance in co-production. My friend Al Rose for uh, giving us his great song, I Feel Like a Million Dollars, our theme song from Alice Album's Sad Go Lucky. And uh, if you like our show, give us a thumbs up at uh, iTunes, won't you? And thanks for listening. And we'll hear you in our ears.